So we are doing a sermon series, uh, uh, and it's really kind of a church-wide study. It's based on a book by uh, Dr. Jim Moore. Um, the, the name of the study is All I Want for Christmas. And um, Jim Moore was my pastor for 22 years. And um, he was an awesome man, a, a very prolific writer. And um, I will tell you, this world is a, a lesser place without Jim Moore. But um, he, he wrote a whole lot of books. And uh, as I said, he was my pastor and he helped me actually as I was experiencing my call and helped me through all of that. And um, is really an amazing man. I'll give you just a little aside. So I'm sure you've done his book studies, Bible studies, and read his books. His very first book that he wrote was entitled, Yes, Lord, I have sinned, but I have several excellent excuses. And um, so that, that was the title of the very first book. He took it to Abington Press. Abington loved it. They, they thought it was a great book, and they were excited to publish it. But they, they sent somebody to go and talk to him and say, we have to talk to you about the title. It's too long. People won't buy it. The title is just way too long. And Jim Moore, having published now, this is his first book to be published, said, look, I don't know anything about selling books, but I know people, and people will buy this book titled, Yes, Lord, I Have Sinned, But I Have Several Excellent Excuses. And so Abington went with it, and it sold, and it sold really well. So Jim Moore was a, a pastor and a great man, and my pastor, and um, I miss him even to this day. So, but his study, um, this one that we're doing, All I Want for Christmas, examines gifts that we get from having Christmas. So um, our text today, it, it comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's the first chapter, um, and if you have been reading in Luke, or if you remember in Luke, there were two birth pronouncements, right? There was the one where Zechariah was told in the Holy of Holies that his old wife was going to bear him a child, and he sort of questioned it, said, uh, how do I believe you? How do I know what's going to happen is true? And so he was struck dumb, right? And so we had this other birth pronouncement where the angel Gabriel, again, shows up, but this time to Mary, and tells Mary, you are going to have a baby. So we have these two sort of separate birth announcements, and in the Gospel of Luke, our text today is the place where those two sort of get tied together for us. So the text that we're going to read is, uh, it's a hymn, actually, a part of it is a hymn, and it's called the Magnificat. And it's where Mary has this sort of monologue about all that God has done for her and what God is about to do for the people. And it's called the Magnificat because the first line in her hymn in Latin is Magnificat Anima Mea Domidum. And so Magnificat is my soul magnifies the Lord is what that first line means. And so that's why it's called the Magnificat. And it's a, it's a hymn, actually, um, a canticle, and it is performed in the Eastern Church, uh, the Greek Orthodox Church, and the Roman Catholic Church. It's often sung or cantored as a part of the regular services. So the Magnificat is um, a, a really important 
piece of scripture. So, um, so Mary in our text has gone to see her cousin Elizabeth. And we aren't told in the text exactly why she's going. I mean, I would extrapolate just based upon my knowledge of people and human knowledge that she had gone, A, to celebrate with her cousin who had been old and barren and now is pregnant uh, with a child, as is Mary. And I would also suppose that Mary maybe went to go see if Elizabeth really was pregnant and make sure that what Gabriel had pronounced to her was in fact in the process of happening. And so our text begins when these two come together. So here are these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, 39 through 56. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God. So in this text, we see a confirmation of all that Gabriel has said to these two parties. We see that Elizabeth is indeed pregnant, and, and she makes a theological statement when she says, my child leapt for joy at the hearing of your voice. She is predicting that the child that Mary is carrying is in fact the Lord, the Savior, our Messiah. This statement that Mary makes is actually an extraordinary statement. So when they come together, Elizabeth praises Mary, and Mary accepts that praise. And what does Mary do? She praises the Lord. She immediately turns and praises the Lord for what he is doing and what he's about to do. Make no bones about it. What Mary has declared here 
is earth-shaking. It's world-changing. But what she is claiming is that when the kingdom of God gets here, the values of the world are going to be turned upside down. The things that the world tells us are important are not important in the kingdom of God. And it's fascinating that this pronouncement comes from a 14-year-old, out-of-wedlock, pregnant 14-year-old girl. I mean, in the world of the first century Jew, you couldn't find a worse person to deliver this news that the world is going to change with the arrival of Jesus. But what she is talking about is indeed world-changing. Christmas, the birth of the Christ child, changed everything. It changed the world. It changed our lives. It changed everything. And so Jim Moore in his study, uh, because Jim Moore always had three points in his sermons, we have three points about things that were changed by the arrival of the Christ child. The first one is that Christmas gives us a new picture of God. Think about it. Th think about what the, the, the Jewish, the first century understanding of God was. That God was up here and we were way down here. That, that God lived in the holy of holies in the temple. That if you were ever even happened to see his face, you would drop dead. That, that our salvation came to us through our righteousness and our righteous acts and hope that God then shows us mercy. Christmas changed all that. Christmas came to us. Salvation came to us where the face of God was an infant child. God loved us so much that God himself climbed into the womb of a woman to be born, to be frail, to, to need a mother's milk in order to survive. God did that. God changed our perception of God forever. Because Christmas happened, we have a God that walks with us, that talks with us, that cries and mourns with us and celebrates with us. Christmas changed our view of God forever. Think about what happened through the birth of that child. Our righteousness is, is no longer necessary for our salvation. It, it comes to us through the grace of Jesus Christ. It comes through us to us through the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. Completely turned our view of God 
around. The other thing that is changed by Christmas, by the birth of the Christ child, is our view of other people. Our view of other people is changed. Jesus did not come to earth as a child and live a life and die on the cross and be resurrected for a certain select few. No, we believe that Christ died for the sins of the world. That this gift of salvation that you claim is available to all. To all who call upon Jesus' name. All who believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And that through belief in him, salvation is ours. God did not die Jesus did not die for this select group. So there is a story about a man named Marcatus. He was around in the Middle Ages, and he was a wandering scholar. Not sure exactly what a wandering scholar is, but it sounds a little bit like a Methodist preacher. Except this guy was poor. And he just, he wandered around. And let me remind you that in the Middle Ages, Latin was, that was the language of the educated. The, the peasants, the poor, they, they didn't speak Latin. They spoke other languages. And so this guy, Marcatus, this wandering scholar, got sick in a small Italian village. And they looked upon him and judged him to be penniless, of no value. And so they took him and, and put him in a hospital for, for basically the homeless, for, for the widows and the orphans. And, and so the doctors were sitting around discussing his case in Latin. And they decided that he was just such a lost cause that we might even want to do some medical experimentation on him. All of this conversation took place in Latin, which Marcatus spoke, and he looked at them, and he said, let no one call unworthy anyone who Jesus died for. You see, through Christmas, we have a new view of others. Christ died for them just as Christ died for you. All are worthy of God's love and grace. Lest we believe the views of the world that the powerful are special, that the rich are special, that somehow they stand apart. The truth of it is, in the eyes of God, we all stand in the same place, guilty of sin, saved only through the grace of Jesus Christ. Rich, poor, powerful, or not, we all stand in the same place. Christmas changes our view of others forever.
The third thing that Christmas changes is it gives us a new purpose for living. It gives us a reason to live, a a lifestyle, a, a way to live. Without faith in Christ, you just kind of have this opportunity to just take care of me. I'm going to do me. We, we can find ourselves without Christ in our life, um, worshiping at the trinity of me, myself, and I. Doing just what it is that we want. Nothing more nothing less. But because Christmas happened, because the Christ child was born, when we believe in Jesus, we have a new way of living. And that's for the kingdom of God. I mean, if you stop and think about the price that was paid for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your eternal life, How can we do anything but turn our life over to Christ? How can we do anything but serve others as Jesus has served us? Because Christmas happened, we as followers of Jesus have a new purpose to our life. And that is to give ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice to God and God's kingdom. When we recognize Jesus as our Savior, we have a new purpose for our life. No longer do we worship at the trinity of me, myself, and I, but rather, how can I serve my neighbor? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community? Christmas changed the way we see God. Christmas changed the way we see others. And Christmas gave us a purpose for our life, a calling, a way to live that we might honor Jesus and the gift that he has given us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all of the many things that Christmas has changed. Father, we thank you that we are able to see you in a new light through Christmas. We thank you that you have opened our eyes to the worthiness of all people, the worthiness of all people for your love and for your grace, and reminding us that the sacrifice that Jesus made was for all, not just some. And Father, we thank you that you have given us a purpose, a way to live our life that honors you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.